So, you know, I, I just started doing research on what really meant to, um, to provide you baby clothes and how I could solve their, their problems. And I combined it with, with my knowledge of, you know, the negative side effects of fast fashion on the environment, especially when it comes to baby clothes, because you go through so many different pieces during just the first two years of baby's life. Baby's skin is approximately 30% thinner than ours, so it much easier absorbs chemicals that it comes in contact with. So it's extremely important to you know, use fabrics that contain the minimal, minimal um, amount of chemicals in it uh, so it doesn't irritate the skin or expose them to any long-term health, um, health issues. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adesio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the Mother Honestly podcast. My name is Kristen Hall. I'm the COO of Mother Honestly, and I am recording live from Motor City Women's Studios based in Detroit, Michigan. And I'm so excited to have Ivana Orden, the founder and CEO of Tay, which is an organic, sustainable, yet functional baby clothing brand. Ivana, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. So I'm very excited to learn about how you made the leap into baby clothing designing and what you've been doing at Taste. So go ahead and give our listeners a little bit more about your background. Uh, you know, what were you doing before you launched the company and what brought you to this kind of catalyst for change? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you were saying, I'm the founder and CEO of Tay. Uh, but um, I come from Europe, just to start, I guess, all the way back there. Uh, I was born in Poland, grew up in Norway. I've lived in a couple of different countries before I moved to the U.S. I was in Brazil, Sweden, Ireland, um, and now I'm in Miami, Florida. Uh, I moved to the U.S. at the end of 2017 uh, after doing over three years of a long-distance relationship uh, with my husband. So um, I quit my job at Google um, to, to move here. And um, yeah, a little bit more on, on the background on that. Uh, before moving to the U.S., I was working with programmatic buying at, at Google in Ireland. Um, I was also doing performance marketing and e-commerce at digital marketing agencies, agencies in, in Scandinavia um, back in Europe. Um, so I've spent pretty much my whole career in marketing. But I guess over time, I found out that product design and development is what really gets me excited. So when I decided to quit my job and, and move to the U.S., uh, I figured that this was my you know, really my time to challenge myself and, and create something meaningful from scratch that hopefully will change people's lives for the better. And this is how Tay was born. That's awesome. And it is a big leap in to kind of make that change. What specifically drew you into the world of like baby and children's clothing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, so, you know, this was um, a little bit of a journey um, when I, um, yeah, first of all, when I moved to the US, I couldn't work for a while. So I had a lot of time for research of what kind of company I really wanted to start. 
Um, and um, I spent a lot of time talking to to people, I, yeah, amongst others, my sister who has a little girl who is now five years old and um, some of my friends who are either starting or, um, or planning to start their, their families. And what everyone had sort of in, in common and in terms of problems was how hard it was to find good baby clothes. So, you know, I, I just started doing research on what really meant to, um, to provide good baby clothes and how I could solve their, their problems. And I combined it with, with my knowledge of, you know, the negative side effects of fast fashion on the environment, especially when it comes to baby clothes, because you go through so many different pieces during just the first two years of baby's life. So um, this kind of all got me inspired to solve this, this problem. And um, in addition, because I'm Norwegian and I'm a fan of Nordic design and minimalism, I just saw those, those principles as a, as a natural and logical solution for, for you know, a baby clothing brand to, to solve problems of, of babies, parents, and our planet at the same time. That's very interesting. And I think one, there's not a lot of the US culture that kind of initially would embrace the minimalist style, but I love what you've done with the designs that you have and the simplicity and the minimalism in the products that you offer. How has that been received by parents? Do you find that that's something they're enjoying? It's easier to make the change. Tell me more about how that's been received by the market. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so definitely people, um, people definitely enjoy our products not just because of the minimalist design or the minimalist, minimalist approach to it, but also because, you know, we, we have um, put very much thought into, um, into the fabric that goes, um, that kind of goes on baby's, uh, baby's skin. So our clothes are super soft in addition to, be, uh, to being very functional and easy for parents to use. Um, so um, yeah, pa parents love them actually. We have an extremely low return rate of our products, which I think says a lot. And you've really put a lot of thought into baby's exposure to chemicals and what you're using or not using in the material that you bring. So I've noticed that you guys don't use chemical softeners, bleaches, retardants, or any shrinkage on that. You know, how did you arrive at that decision to kind of, or what did you learn in the process when you mm. started researching children's clothes? You know, I think for a lot of parents, this is going to be the first time they've been exposed and saying, hey, I don't actually know what goes into my children's clothing. Yeah. Educate our listeners a little bit more about what you've learned in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was also learning as I was reading kind of through all the materials that I found and talking to experts in, in the field. But, you know, one, um, uh, fast fashion and, um, and chemicals have a very negative effect on the environment. So there is tons of, of chemicals that are being used in textile production. And to be precise, it's over 40 million tons of chemicals that go into it. Um, and the apparel industry, you know, is the second largest polluter in the world and accounts for 10% of global carbon, carbon emissions. Um, so it definitely does a lot of damage, but I think what, what you're asking and what people are interested in knowing is, um, is how minimizing the chemicals is better for the babies. And that's because baby's skin is approximately 30% thinner than ours. So it much easier absorbs chemicals that it comes in contact with. So it's extremely important to, you know, use fabrics that contain the minimal, minimal um, amount of chemicals in it. Uh, so it doesn't irritate the skin or expose them to any long-term health, um, health issues and keeps them comfortable. 
Um, so one of the most interesting findings, I would say, in my research prior to launching Tay was how much chemicals um, are being used to soften baby clothes. So for example, if you think about the bamboo fabric, uh, which a lot of people consider a natural fabric and very good for babies, but think about the bamboo in nature. It's, it's actually really hard. And um, it's nothing like the soft fabric that you have, you have in hands that you put on your baby. So there's a ton of chemicals that go into, into it in the process to, um, to soften the fabric and create this, um, this very, um, very nice and, and soft, uh, soft looking uh, fabric. But also when it comes to other organic cotton fabrics, um, a lot of factories um, use chemical softeners on them too. And if you don't ask the question, as a, um, as a producer of those clothes, you actually don't know that, that they put, for example, silicone oil or some other um, chemical softeners into it. So you think you're buying something that's better and good for your baby, good for the environment, but still, um, unless you speci specifically ask for something that's without use, uh, usage of chemicals, you get, the, yeah, you get chemically treated materials anyway. That's absolutely fascinating, and I didn't know uh, before this to even think about that. Yep, as you mentioned, bamboo is a very sought-after product that we see a lot in the children and baby industry, and that's not something, you know, when you explained it that way, that's a great way to kind of portray what's happening is it is a very hard material and the amount of chemicals that would have to go in to make it a soft uh, fabric that we would use. It's something I hadn't even considered or that, you know, how chemically treated our clothing is mm -hmm. and I love that you touched on environmentally you know I think people forget with the apparel and the textile industry it's a very very waste producing industry and it's that kind of dichotomy between having clothes that are readily available and cheaply made versus paying more for products that are more environmentally sustainable and you know better for our skin and it's great that you mentioned you know 30% thinner skin than ours for babies I think that's something that I didn't know and it's definitely something now when I source products that I'm giving away for you know a baby shower or to you know nieces and nephews and that mm -hmm. it's something that I'm going to take more in turn in my in my consumer decisions so I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners and stuff you know we always love learning these new opportunities and what's going on and educating ourselves so thank you for sharing that and I can imagine that during this time, it's been a very interesting uh, period of adjusting your business model kind of in a pandemic. You know, what tips and tricks do you have for our listeners on how you adjusted what you were doing and, and making some of those pivots? Yeah, so, um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of tips and tricks, I guess. But um, I would say staying open-minded uh, in terms of any change is is definitely the key because, you know, you just don't know what to expect. And um, in the situation that we've been in, uh, like the pandemic has, like no one ever, oh, I didn't say, see it coming. <laughs> so uh, I think just staying open-minded about how you can tackle all those issues that you have. For example, we've had, um, we have a manufacturing partner in, in Asia, in China specifically, um, that, um, that we work very closely with. So during the production, I would actually go over there a couple of times to, you know, supervise all the details. Like there's always something that kind of needs immediate attention in terms of fit design, like something that, that doesn't go as, as planned. So during, uh, um, during COVID, um, this has been the most challenging thing for us. 
So for me to, to stop going there, not having the ability to travel and being open-minded to, to doing these things digitally. So like having video calls and really um, much more supervised, I guess, inspection through, through pictures, through videos, as I was saying, um, this has helped us a lot, but it, it was a very big challenge to begin with and something definitely to, to adjust to. Um, so yeah. That would be, I guess, my my largest tip is to is to just stay open to uh, to what's out there and try to figure out creative solutions on how to alternatively solve all the all the challenges that you have of the business. Absolutely, and I think that's a great point that you bring up. We are seeing a lot of disruptions in the global supply chain. Um, I see it in you know the industry that I'm in in manufacturing, and it does make similar to that. We do a lot of site visits. We go in person. You know, we've had to change the way we communicate and how often we communicate into the level, of, you know, as you mentioned, you're doing quality inspections via pictures and trying to understand what you're looking at that way. It's definitely been a challenge in that regard, but I'd like that you approach it by keeping an open mind of, you know, it's, this isn't something we plan for in our business models, but for our listeners, you know, it's always something to consider that, you know, the best laid plans sometimes don't happen and being open and adaptable to change. So I'm glad that you guys are doing well with still kind of the global supply chain and being able to bring your product to market. Now more than ever, women are demanding a quick recovery after surgery. Women are incredibly proactive when it comes to their health and ask their doctors a number of questions prior to surgery. Unfortunately, there's one topic that they often forget to discuss, which can directly impact their recovery experience non-opioid pain management options. Non-opioid options used before, during, and after surgery can effectively manage pain while minimizing the need for opioids and limiting a patient's downtime after surgery. Planning for surgery? Unlock your X Factor by visiting yourxfactor.com forward slash M8 to learn more about non-opioid pain management options and raise your expectations for what is possible after surgery. One of the things I also loved about what Tay is doing is you guys have a donation program that helps give back to the community. What kind of sparked that to include in your business model and how does it work? Absolutely. So um, donation program is um, mainly, um, I wanted to incorporate this into the Thai culture from the very beginning because it's, it's very good for the environment, but at the same time, it also helps us uh, provide Tay to all kinds of families. Uh, I never wanted for Tay to be a brand that's only going to be available, you know, to um, uh, to wealthy people who can afford like the premium stuff. I always wanted Tay to be something that's affordable for everyone. Um, so this is our way to really bringing this opportunity to to all kinds of families. So the way the donation program works is one um, at Tay we donate our samples and. Um, unsold products that we so-called call um, imperfect. So anything that has, for example, an upside down label, something that's still functional, but not up to our high quality standard, we'll call imperfect. And we will donate those those pieces along with our samples to families in need and charities that are local. Um, so we have one charity in San Francisco that we've been t- donating to now that we've moved to Florida. There is another one um, that we, um, we're working with locally here. And then the second part of the donation program is 
towards our customers. So as part of our sustainability efforts, we encourage our customers to donate their previously loved toy to someone in need, a charity or a friend, like literally whoever you choose to, to pass um, the toy clothing to. And once you just send us a proof, so it could be a donation receipt, but it could also be a photo of you and your friend, you know, exchanging the clothes, uh, we reward you with a 15% to, discount toward your next purchase on Tay. I think that's such a fascinating model because it encourages, you know, I think you've probably seen this you with your global experience and where you've been. You know, it amazes me in the U.S., sometimes our consumption models that people will, you know, we buy almost in excess a lot of the time. Um, and when I was changing out my, you know, my son's closet, there were some things that he never wore and it broke my heart that it went unworn and unused to make sure that we could donate it. So I love that this encourages people to stay within your brand. That's a very, very smart marketing model that you've incorporated uh, because it continues people coming back through those sizing changes, as you mentioned, in the first two years. As well as giving people the opportunity that may not have access to it, it gives them additional clothing that's you know, sustainably produced, very healthy for our kids. I think that's a great model that you've adapted into your business. And so you've done initially baby's clothing so far. You guys do body suits, jumpsuits, pants, you know, accessories and kind of different collections. Have you thought about what you might do to expand the brand? Are there any other projects that you're working on? It sounds like you're very intuitive coming from Google and what you've done prior. Uh, what's next for you in the coming weeks and months? Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of people or our customers who are approaching the two-year mark are like having babies who have, um, who are taller than 33 inches. Um, so by the way, our, all our clothing goes by inches rather than months in order to, um, um, to help parents figure out the best fit for, for their children's um, clothes. But a lot of parents who actually approach the, um, the upper end of our clothing are asking us um, to, um, to really create something for toddlers too, or even for adults. So that's something we, we keep in mind and we're trying to work on. Just with um, COVID right now, it's a little bit hard to, to do a, um, to take a big leap, I guess, into something completely new. Um, so we'll see how that goes, like how long time it takes, but it's definitely something that we we're planning, uh, planning to put more, more thought into and, um, and expand. Uh, but otherwise, something that's uh, that's coming in the next few weeks is um, it's a very interesting campaign that we have in the whole month of November, because you know this this year has been very tough on everyone, and I think we all could use some sort of um, or some more kindness, I guess, in this world. So uh, for the whole next month, we actually have a special campaign uh, where we're going to encourage all our customers to do good things for other people, and um, if they do that, or if yeah, if they're up for it, we're, um, we're planning to reward them with toy discounts for it. So it's really about doing good, uh, feeling good about doing it, and at the same time, saving on your baby clothes. So you get something uh, monetary out of it too. I really like the approach to that. It's, I agree, it's been a very tough month, year. <laughs> it's very much blended together in the, you know, the Groundhog Day effect of how it feels being kind of in the pandemic. So I think that's a very great approach to kind of take the November act of kindness uh, and pay it forward. Uh, you don't see that happen necessarily with a lot of brands. So it's nice that you guys continue to go back to the roots of your company and what you've kind of designed and created around your brand. I think that's very awesome. How can people find out more about that campaign? How can they follow you on social media or, you know, 
look the products up online. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to be branding this on our website, which is shop, S-H-O-P-T-O-E-Y.com. Um, but we're also going to, to market more about this in our, on our Instagram, which is T-O-E-Y baby clothes. Um, that's the handle. And um, same with Facebook and, and YouTube as well. So all information is going to come up there. And um, yeah, anyone can, can read more, more about it. And um, I hope to do some more marketing um, around the web as well to attract people who don't know about us or um, yeah. But so everyone knows about, about this, um, the kindness campaign. I love it. The kindness campaign. It's definitely something that will be on my mind going into November of ways to incorporate kindness into our daily lives. We'll be sure to include links to the website, Instagram, Facebook as well, when we release the podcast episode. And we're so excited to see what you guys have been doing, um, where you're going and what you're doing both for parents, children, and the environment. So I love to see companies that kind of hit all of those factors. Uh, you mentioned that you're in Miami, so I have to take a moment and ask, because you were in San Francisco prior, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what, what sparked the cross-country move? I hope you didn't have to move during a pandemic. <laughs> no, we actually were lucky enough to, um, to move right before the pandemic. So um, I think two weeks after that, well, we went into a lockdown here, here in Miami. Um, but we basically moved because um, yeah, it, it's a complex, it was a complex decision, but also because I wanted to, to grow the company. And as you know, doing so in San Francisco is a little bit of a challenge right now. And it turns out with the pandemic going on, it was actually a very, very smart move for us to, to come out here as well. Um, so yeah, cost in San Francisco has gone up so, so extremely um, over the past months or years. So uh, it's really hard for new companies to, to start, start out there and grow, especially if you don't, um, don't have external funding. Um, so that was a big part of, them, of the decision to move here. And that's a great point that you make, uh, you know, for investors, for, we always have mom entrepreneurs that are listening to the podcast. You know, we always, you want to look at avoiding those expenses first. So you bring up a great point that, you know, sometimes certain cities, certain localities make it very difficult to launch brands. If you're launching them from your home, from an Etsy shop, you know, large scale as you do with international production, you know, location can really play a factor into where you are. And I, I remember correctly, Miami is a very big fashion hub too. There's a lot of material production that comes out of Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually surprised to, uh, to learn about that too, before we, we decided to move over here. But um, yeah, Miami is great for, uh, for that. And a lot, of, um, a lot of inspiration, definitely. A lot of different cultures out here too. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a great move. We're very happy, happy to be here. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Ivana, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. We love what we're, you're doing. We think it's a great thing for parents, for the environment. And on your website as well, you have some great tips for how to handle, you know, clothing care. And I think, you know, we'll include it for our parents. It's always great to kind of take a look at things on, you know, are the practices that we've been using now, are they still working? And so I love that your website lists out so many helpful tips and tricks for new parents, existing parents, you know, some of the things that we kind of forget, especially in the community setting, you know, it's available to us online. And you've done so much research into what goes into your, your brand, how it, you know, handles with chemicals and that. It's a great learning opportunity for all our listeners to really take a step back 
and examine the clothing and the apparel that we're utilizing in our lives on a daily basis and the impacts that could, that could have. Thank you so much for being a guest. It was a wonderful discussion. It was so great to meet you and learn more about the brand. And I can't wait to see the kindness campaign coming out in November. I wish you nothing but the best in the coming weeks. Thank you so much. Same to you. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be your guest. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you. Please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.